Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Moving Mountains, part four today. And uh, so, let's go ahead and jump right in. And uh, I want to read from John 15, 1 through 8. And you can follow along. It says this, I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Either way, there's a little cutting going on. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are then picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Awesome section of Scripture. Jesus getting very intimate here and very straightforward. You know, Jesus didn't pull any punches, did he? He wanted to let us know. Even though he used figurative language and and symbols like this, it opens our heart up. And, of course, Jesus said, you know, look, this is not to be confusing. It's only confusing to the lost, but to the, those who have been called and those who have been, who've answered the call of Christ in their heart, it, it has tremendous meaning. And I want to focus in, as we talk about moving mountains here today, on the part of fruit bearing in our lives, okay? So in facing a mountain, we've been talking about, we talked about how to remove doubt, we've talked about how to build faith, but today, what I want to do is kind of hone this down. And there's kind of a couple of different turns that we take when facing a mountain. We've all got one. We've faced mountains in the past, and we're likely to face another mountain in the future. Not that we're looking for them, but just along the way. And so, again, I want to break this down a little more for us. When we got a mountain in our life, number one, we got to ask ourselves this question. Does this mountain require change in us? Okay, we've got to see that, that, that there, a lot of times when there's a mountain in our life, there is a purpose for that mountain, okay? And what we need to do is to start off by identifying the conflict. We need to see, is there a mountain that we've brought into our own life, possibly because taking a, a, a wrong path, possibly listening to the wrong thing? So we've got to identify the conflict. What is that mountain all about? How did it get there? It's because of fear. Is that mountain there because, uh, matter of fact, is it, maybe it's not even a mountain at all. Maybe it's something, it's a molehill that we've made into a mountain. And as a result of fear, you begin to walk up to it. We see, as we walk up to it in faith and we begin to go forward in the grace of God, we begin to say, you know what? It wasn't all that big after all. Maybe it's resentment in our heart. Maybe it's lust or greed. During this fast, this is the kind of thing that God wants to bring to the surface in us so that we can begin to deal with those, those, the, the, the sin, the things that cause us to err, that Paul described as those, those weights, 
the things that cause us to err so quickly? So when we get to that place and we, re- and we understand or maybe we've identified, then we need to ask God to help us apply wisdom, okay? In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, though it cost you all you have, get wisdom. Now that's, that's an interesting verse. In, in our world of finance and, and having to cut corners and doing all we're, we're doing in these days, I wonder how many of us are using all of our wealth and all of our time and all of our energy to get more wisdom rather than to see what else we can do to try to become rich or to cut corners or to, to do what you know, we need to do. But he says to get wisdom. When we've identified why that, that uh, mountain is there, we need to turn to God and say, God, how do I need to avoid these, these mountains in the future? Secondly, or, or moving forward, perhaps you climb to the mountain and you, you see that God has called that mountain to be a part of your testimony and maybe of your life. In other words, God intends for us to live on top of that mountain. Well, that's another thought altogether, isn't it? You know, as I was thinking about that, you know, we just say, we want, we want, the, the, ground, we want the ground leveled, we want it flat, we want it easy, but what we find sometimes is that we see these mountains and we, say, we speak to that thing. We say, be gone in Jesus' name. And God says, ah, it's part of your life. And if you remove that mountain, you remove part of you. Matter of fact, I have found that to be so true in my life. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. That when you think about your past, you sit there alone in your bed at night, quiet in your thoughts, and you may even think, I wish I had never done that. Or if I could just go back in time and just undo that little thing. Or I wish that somehow I'd had a different life. Or maybe even project that on someone else and say, I wish they hadn't made that choice and how that affected me. We can't do that, can we? I mean, we can't jump on a time machine and change things. Makes for great, you know, sci-fi. Makes for great ideas and thoughts and, and fun to talk about such things. But the reality is we can't do that. And so those things become a part of who we are. They become a part, and they can be converted, if you will, as to a part of our life and our testimony so that we can live on top of it and people walk by and say, man, what are you doing on top of that mountain? You know, it's me. It's where God has called me to live for this season in my life. The issue is about abiding, abiding in fruit, And God wants a whole lot more of it in our life, the God kind of fruit. And so a lot of times, there are, you know, when we think about mountains, it's possible that God wants it to be a part. And that is something that can only be determined between you and God. And again, the purpose of the fast, the purpose of seeking God is to be able to look at that mountain. So that's kind of what I want you to do is that when we're talking about moving mountains, there are times when God just says, I'm not going to move this one for you right now, because I want it to be a part of your life. And there there are incredible ways in our life where this can be true. And I'm going to expand on that more in the future, because I want to move on to the part of that I think all of us deep in our hearts we want to be able to really grow in, and that is that ability to see more miracles in our life. In other words, if that mountain is not supposed to be a part of our life, then Lord, help me learn how to speak to it and get rid of it. Okay? 
Does this mountain require a miracle of God to change? Okay, that's the reason why Jesus chose the language. As we've learned, is that he used a mountain to basically say that this is something that in your human mind you could never, ever see changing. And I, I have found more and more that Christians, 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 we bail out on God way too quickly. That we want everything that happens in our life to fit into our plans. That we want things to work out. That we want things, and, and yet there, there comes these moments of big choices where we really, really, really have to trust in God. Perhaps it's an unwanted pregnancy. Perhaps it's a financial, a major financial difficulty. Perhaps it's something that in our life, we've, we, it, it's, it's overwhelming. That's a mountain, people. Okay? A mountain is not, you know, not having to open your door in the morning because it's frozen shut. That's not a mountain. All right? A mountain is that your cell phone doesn't work. You know, our internet was down for a couple of days, and you would have thought in our home, you know, that the end of the world had come. Of course, we homeschool, and we got to have that, but I mean, it was like a major uprising, and they're going to take me outside and throw me out the door. Don't come back until you fix it! You know? Hey, you know? But you know, those are kind of the, the mountains that we deal with from sometimes, you know, what we think is a mountain. But if we'll be honest with ourselves, there are things in our life that we tend to keep to ourselves and we don't want people to really know. But deep inside, man, it's a mountain. So how do we do it? How do we position ourselves to receive more miracles? Okay, let me break this down. First of all, we need to position ourselves directly under the authority and power of God. Okay, that's where it's got to start. That's what Jesus was saying here. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, okay, what is that? What are we doing there? We're saying your words are very, very important to me. Matter of fact, they're life to me. When all the other disciples and the, well, they, I don't, we know, we know they probably weren't disciples, but when, when, when Jesus said some hard things, they all just disappeared and said, man, it just, this doesn't seem to involve lunch today. So we're gone. And left those 12 disciples there, you know, just looking at Jesus with puppy dog eyes and just saying, we don't know what the Jesus said. You're not going to leave either? And they said, well, how can we leave? You have the very words of life. That means they're holding on to every word, that they see their life. It's just like, look, we can't breathe in and out. We can't take another step unless you speak into us. Folks, that is what we call serious dependence. But are, do we really live there? We really live there. If we want more miracles in our life, then we need to take what Jesus says here really to heart and get in that place to position ourselves directly under his authority. And that what he says is true. See, that's, that's under attack today from every corner, from our universities, from our think tanks. It's under assault everywhere we go to where we're mocked and we're made to feel ashamed that we believe that the Bible is true. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. And you young people that go off to universities, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're mocked, you're made fun of, so that all Christians tend to be driven underground. And if young people today can get through four years of college without just saying, well, maybe some of the Bible is wrong, I mean, I'm surprised. 
But Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. See, here's the key. You can't have the words without the person. You can't just play with the words. Because if you just take the words, after a while, they're, they're just words. But when you see them coming out of the mouth of the Son of God, when he says, you can say to this mountain, be picked up and, and thrown into the sea. If, again, if you just look at him, it just seems like myth. It seems like fantasy. It just seems like, hey, he's just trying to make the crowd feel good today. And isn't that what mostly happens in our entertainment world today? Just want to make you feel good for a moment. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Can I, can I point out the two most important letters in that whole verse? If. If. We want more miracles in our life. We need, we need to focus on the if. And that's what he said. He said, you gotta remain in me. You gotta remain in me. How do we do that? I mean, it, it's quite simple. It's getting up in the morning and saying, Jesus, I belong to you. I, I've I'm breathing it out because of you. Thank you for who you are. I thank you that my life is nothing without you. And I thank you for your words because I want to put more words into my, into my mind and into my heart so that when I think, everything I think is being processed through your truth. That it flows through the Sermon on the Mount. That I am thinking about the impact of my life every single moment. That's how his words remain in us, by the way. Okay, that we don't have a double-minded thing. See, we've learned about that early on. That, and it says, look, if you're double-minded and you're not really remaining in Jesus, you, that his words are only just kind of, we only use them from time to time or we're, we just, we, I don't know where that really came from. It sounds like the Lord, but, you know, he said, look, that's being double-minded. And what did he go on to say? He said, let not that man or that woman think they're going to receive anything from God. We can't get miracles until we remain in Christ. See, th this is a powerful verse that goes hand in hand with the mountain prayer. He says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow, man, that's a big promise. I mean, that's more than, you know, Billy Joe, you know, white selling cars saying, hey, this car's going to drive for the next 10 years. I mean, this is... This is Jesus giving it all, pouring it all out. He says, ask whatever you wish. That's more than just a mountain. See, before he's saying, say to the thing that's in your way and ask it to be picked up in your room. He says, I'm just saying, let's go beyond that to say whatever's in your heart. I want to make happen for you. But if we back up, if, we've got to remain in him. So we've got to position ourselves directly under his authority, his power. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, a lot of Christians today are not really focused on the fruitfulness of their life as much as just being happy. But rather saying, what am I accomplishing for his glory? What does my life represent does, what comes from the work of my hands? What comes from the thoughts of my, my, my mind and the words of my mouth? Who am I pouring into? Who am I encouraging, if it's our children, to pour into them to see that they're world changers? 
What are we doing so that we can bear what? Much fruit. Showing ourselves to be as disciples. See, here's the deal. This, this is interesting here because Jesus is saying, look, this is how people are going to know that you're my believer, that, that you are a believer. Is that you're a tree walking around heavily laden with fruit. So people are not going to wonder so much whether you're a Christian. Man, if you've got one little apple dangling there and it's got a worm in it. You know, it's like, um, yeah, man, you need to work on that fruitfulness thing there. Sticking with the analogy, Jesus said, look, this, this, is, how you're gonna, this is how we're going to do this. He walks up to us, he sees that one dangling apple, and he sees all of those branches hanging out, and there's a lot of, and he just says, look, this is what we need to do. We need to prune you. We need to cut some stuff off. Got a lot of things that you believe, a lot of, a lot of stuff that's pulling away and draining the tree. See, I grew up in Michigan, the you know, patron state of apples, man, apples and cherries. And I grew up going to those. My dad knew where the apple orchards that they, that they had let go. He knew where they were. We could go out in the middle of nowhere, mid-Michigan. And Man, he was amazing. He could find an apple orchard anywhere. And he explained to me that you had to beat that tree up. You had to cut it down. Because I always wondered, they called them dwarf apple trees. I always wondered why these things look so nasty. They look so crooked and nasty and small. I was like, Dad. But then, man. When you came around to the fruit-bearing season, those things would just be loaded with apples. And not just little worm-filled apples, huge apples. That, as a kid, they were as big as my head, you know? Awesome. I understand that. I've seen it. God wants us to bear much fruit. But we got to get there. Folks, we got to stay under the authority and power of God. Secondly, we got to let God know that we're interested in bearing much fruit for him. Not just for you, of course, because look what he said. This is to whose, whose glory? The Father's glory, not my glory. Uh-oh. I want you to move that mountain for me, God. Just you? Then maybe we need to leave it for a while. See, Jesus saves us. He's taken care of your lostness, and he's given you. Jesus tells us that he's preparing a place for us. He says, look, don't worry about your future. I got that. Condo in the sky. Got it. He says, but I'm leaving you here to bear much fruit. Why? For his glory. Now, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm blowing your mind here. Because what we're doing is when we're looking at mountains and we're looking at fruitfulness, see, today we have become, the church has become so focused on, look, if, if I don't feel happy at the end of, end of this service, I'm out of here. If I don't feel like you, you've told me how I can become a better person or self-help me, then I'm out of here. But look, this is not what Jesus teaches. This is not what he's, he says, look, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. That's the bottom line. God wants us to be fruitful, but not just still. Do you ever see, have you ever seen a tree eating its own fruit? Well, I mean, you know, Wizard of Oz, you got some, you know, remember those weird trees throwing apples at, uh, what's her name? Dorothy. Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't see trees eating their own fruit, and neither should we. Now, God wants us to enjoy it, of course. That analogy doesn't carry all the way, but he wants us to bear fruit. Why? For his glory. So that people look at our lives and say, man, is God good. 
that person, that even the lost would be able to look at our lives and say, I don't know what you is, but I, you've told me that it's your Jesus. And you know, I don't believe in him, but one thing's for sure, he certainly is blessing you to his glory. So let God know that you're interested in bearing that much fruit for him. Think of the places, your places of fruitfulness, the people in your life, the souls that you might have a chance to influence, the needs you may be able to fulfill through your money and your time. See? That's a totally different way of thinking of it, isn't it? What I've learned is the more I'm submitted to God, the more I'm thinking of kingdom, the more that I'm realizing my life doesn't belong to me, the more I see God blessing me. When I get to that point and say, you know what, God, I don't deserve anything, I'm not really even asking you for much. But God just says, well, okay. Watch God just blow you away and give you more than you know what to even do with. But in the end, you really know what to do with it. With it. That's to bless others. So if we're going to see some mountain changing in our life, the first thing we need to do is get it right in our head. Get it right in our heart. Why we need that mountain moved. Okay? You, you following me on that? I, I, this is a positioning of our heart. See, Right now, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad and just say, well, I won't ask for the mountain to be moved at all. I mean, you know, gosh, I don't deserve it. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is we got to position our heart rightly so that when we go to God and say, and say God, I need that mountain moved, then God says, look, we're, we're in team here. Our hearts are in unison. Our, the tones of our heart are in line. He says, ask whatever you wish. See, Jesus is making that assumption. He's saying, look, when your heart is in tune with mine, ask whatever you wish. That makes complete sense. So we've got to speak to a mountain, folks, and this is how you do it. I'm going to give you an example of prayer. You can pray it however you want, but this is how, how, how I pray when I get to those things in my life. I pray like this. Lord Jesus, I choose to acknowledge you as Lord of my life. I ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Your will for me is to ask whatever I wish in order to bear much fruit for you. I speak to this mountain, whatever it might be, this struggle, this sickness, this issue, the conundrum, a disease, a hindrance, whatever it might be, and, you, and I ask you right now to pick it up and throw it out of my life. I pray for those who are hurting me. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Because see, sometimes that mountain might be a person. You don't ask God to kill them. You don't ask the earth to swallow them. You don't do that. You ask God to bless them. You ask God to bless them so much that they crumble under the weight of it. And they have no choice but to honor God. Or to move, whatever. I ask that you create circumstances that might lead to my blessing in whatever way you choose and that you, O oh God, would be glorified as a result. You see what we're doing here? I give you thanks ahead of time, knowing you love me and are for me. Amen. That is the focus. That is the heart change that needs to take place. See, a lot of times we just panic. We just panic and we forget that there is a lot of times, first and foremost, there may be a reason that that mountain is there. 
and God wants to prune our hearts, and we, and, and we just want to just stop and just say, okay, before I start speaking to any mountains, Lord, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in my life? And what, what I was trying to show you this morning is, number one, is that mountain supposed to stay for a while for the purpose of pruning? Pruning our heart, getting our priorities straight, getting the kingdom of God firmly there. See, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not, I think it was Jesus, but this, this image has always really gotten inside me. And he basically was saying, look, fall on me and you will be broken. But if you resist me, then you'll be crushed. And I don't know about the two and for you, but I'd rather fall on him and be broken than for the weight of the consequences of my life to crush me. Now, we've all experienced both, haven't we? You know, from time to time. Hopefully more of the former than the latter. But that, to get to that point where we're, we're positioning our heart and our mind so that we can really, really get into that place where then when we finally ask for that mountain to be removed, man, that we got it straight. We got it straight. Lord, that mountain is in my way, and I am pretty confident that you don't want it in my life either because this is all about fruit bearing, and I can't see more fruit happening in my life with that thing going on. And that's key. That is absolutely key. Before we're done today, I want to pray for us that that mountain or whatever mountain you might be having is going to be removed. And I hope you're ready. I hope you're preparing. I hope you've been fasting and asking God, Lord, I ask you to remove that. I've had things in my life that I was praying over. Just saying, God, I want to be able to live on the other side of the mountain. I want to be on the other side of that. And I don't know, maybe you asked me to climb it and go down it and keep on going, or maybe you did remove it completely out of my life. Whatever the case, I need to be able to live on the other side of it. And this is how you get there. And this is, where, this is how you should be thinking to live on the other side. This is what we're shooting for, is to expect God's constant favor. Amen? To expect it. See, I, didn't, I didn't really lay that foundation last week, and I should have. I should have come back with that, that, that terminology. Andrea, Andrea rem, reminded me of it. But that expectation is invitation. Whatever we expect is likely is what is going to happen. If you're expecting God to judge you all the time, then that's what you're inviting into your life. And that's what you're going to see. But if you're expecting God to bless you, because you know the work of the cross, and because you know it has nothing to do whether you, you've earned it or do you deserve it. See, grace is getting what you don't deserve. And that's what it's all about. When we settle into that place of just saying, God, I know I'm my own worst enemy. But you love me, you're for me, I'm your child, you died for me on the cross. And for me, I mean, I don't make deals with God, but I'll basically say, God, if you want more fruit in my life, please help me. Please help me to get past some of these issues. So God, I expect your favor. Expect it and speak it. Don't take the paths that are posted. There are posted things in our lives, by the way. And the Bible teaches us. So once we get past that mountain and we start to pick up speed again in our life and say, so glad that is over. Well, look, when you go through a mountain or you go through a difficulty, we're supposed to extract wisdom from that, by the way. 
so that we don't go to the, that we don't take the path that leads to that mountain. And those things are posted. And it says something like this in, it, in our life. It says, "Big mountains ahead." You know. And we get to that point, and, and, and we, it, you look at it, and we've read scripture, we've read Proverbs, and, and, and we know that taking that path is not a good path. But what I noticed a lot of times what we do is we, we, we be, we're quiet, we don't want anybody to know, we quietly take that exit. Because we know other Christians are going to come around us and just say, um, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And next thing you know, we get a phone call. Hey, can you help me out? Well, what's going on? Yeah, man, I'm on the Rocky Mountain Road, man. I'm a, I, I've got this absolute, I mean, I got Mount McKinley in front of me. Well, how'd you get down there? You know you're not supposed to go down. Okay, I don't want to talk about the path. I don't want to. So if we back up, for those of us who are growing in wisdom and we've learned and we've taken the school of hard knocks and, 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 and let's look for those signs that say, you know, big mountains ahead. That's one way to really learn. I understand that there are a lot of times that mountains, if not most of the time, that mountains that we experience are things that we've not brought upon ourselves. They're just mountains, aren't they? They're just mountains. They just show up, and we've done everything we know to follow God, and it's just like we lose our job. I didn't, you know, Lord, what? What's going on here? God's always up to something inside us. And he's always causing us to dig a little deeper. See, our faith is not shaped, it is not strengthened, it is not broadened unless we have a mountain or two. Sometimes mountains are the result of a geological shift, I like to call it. It's a geological, in other words, our world is changing changing around us, and it requires a different kind of faith. It requires a different kind of a shift in our life. And you know what? Every one of us as human beings, we're going to go through that. We're going to go through geologic life changes, okay? Some of them are very basic. It's called getting older, right? We all just thought that at the age of 21, we were going to feel like that forever. And those of you in your 20s, you know, I don't want to say another thing. You'll be pleasantly surprised. But, you know, I remember that. <laughs> I mean, all I can do now is sit in my easy chair and tell my kids stories. You know, Andrew looks at me, Daddy used to run? <laughs> yeah, son, yeah, and I could run pretty fast. And they're just like, wow. Mm -hmm. But our lives go through these shifts, and it requires a different kind of faith. And you get to a place and you pretty much had it all figured out and it's just like, boom, okay? As I said, a lot of times we panic and we try to make things happen in our life when God just says, no, 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 this is just a part of the journey and it's time for you to get a new kind of faith. It's time for you to realize that you need to trust me even more than you have in the past. You know what I'm talking about. So, when it comes to walking in mountain-moving faith, it really requires, folks, a constant, vigilant focus on our path. Because sometimes we're on a mountain and we don't even know it. But then when we really begin 
to start to have an eye for the kingdom. And we begin that last song that we sang, and, and man, we really get that into our hearts, and we begin to, the, the, the spiritual reality of our life begins to flood in. Then we begin to open our eyes for the first time, maybe for real, and just say, wow, I got a lot more mountains in my life than I thought I did. Then it's at that point we need to get to work. Because a lot of times getting off that mountain or removing that mountain is not as easy as just one, two, three, go away. God is doing so much inside us. I don't believe I printed out the message today, and I, I apologize for that. But on the back of the sheet, and, and I'll get them, uh, I'll get them uh, before you leave today if you'd like a copy. But on the back, I put these declarations, and they go like this. And I, this is something that, man, we need to speak out loud every day to create an expecting heart, to continue to position ourselves, to keep the darkness and the cloud from seeping in. So that we'll always remain in that place of knowing who we are, knowing what we're called to do, knowing of the reality, of, of, of the true spiritual reality that we live in. Because, you know, we get that we're in, we're in worship. And man, it's awesome because we break into it. We can feel it. We can sense it. But man, we're sitting on Wednesday on hump day and we're overwhelmed by the reality of just the mundane life that sometimes it's, you know, it's the, you know I could have had a V8 when I realized I could have chosen a better path when we spent the last two hours in fear, when we la spent the last two hours grumbling and complaining about our life, when we could have stopped it, we could have stemmed that tide and just started speaking right now. I mean, all this week, I've been speaking over a particular thing, and when I, when I start opening my mind to something, I just stop and said, nope, this is what I'm believing you for. This is what I'm seeing right now. So I'm going to just read down these. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. I'm born again. I am a child of God. You see how these declarations, I mean, they can just explode those lies and that darkness that begins to creep in. I have power with God. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. My steps are ordered by the Lord. Wow. I'm a priest and a king in Christ Jesus. Not a pauper, not a beggar. I'm a priest, man. I can, what, what, I can speak the power of God, man. I can speak into things. God listens to my prayers. I can stand before Jesus who says, look, come boldly into my presence and ask for whatever you need. Today is the door, uh, day that the Lord has made. Now rejoice and be glad in it. I mean, that takes her life and puts it right into kingdom perspective. This is a day. This is not a wasted day. This is your day, God, and there is glory opportunity in the middle of it. All things work together for my good because I love the Lord and I'm called according to his purpose. All things work to good. Now that is theology that's very practical. God's going to use it all. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of them all. Hmm. God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's going to supply all my needs. You got a need? Bring it to him. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Man, I love that verse, don't you? More than a conqueror? I mean, I'll, I'll take as a conqueror on most days. 
I mean, most days I just want to be on top. But to be more than a conqueror means like, I mean, my enemy is crushed in the dirt. That's exactly right. Thank you. And then promised in the book of Genesis. If I say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and doubt not in my heart, it will obey me. And then finally, all things are possible to those who believe. To believe. Because these promises, they hang out there. They're ours. They're ours to be had. It's like a brand new car that's already been purchased for us. Keys are hanging on the hook. And we're walking around just saying, I... I don't know if it's mine. Do you know if it's mine? I don't know if it's mine. The title's in your name. Take the keys and go. The title of the kingdom has been given to us. Jesus purchased it. He says, look, all things have been placed under my feet. Now I give you the kingdom. Whoa, that is just... He says, now go. And I love this last, last declaration. Today is the best day of my life, and tomorrow will be better. Isn't that good? Today is the best day. Today is a day where God is going to show his glory and his power in my life. See, that positions us. When we, when we, when we confess the word, when we speak the word, then we can create an expectation in our life. See, the truth, you may just say, well, what good is that going to do? Well, it's going to do a whole lot better than the opposite. Because see, I, I believe truly that when Jesus walked into an area and nobody believed, he says he could not do a single miracle in that city. And it was not because of him. Because there was what? So much unbelief. You want to become miracle magnets. That's what I want to become, a miracle magnet, right? I mean, everywhere I walk around, shoom, shoom. whoa, God, this is awesome. Why? Because we're expecting it. 